Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Eye in the Sky, Peggy Guggenheim, Art Addict, Les Enfants du Paradis, The Meddler, High Rise, and more. At the E-Bar on May 20th, attend Fierce with DJs Matt Adam and Jungle Cat. And on May 21st, go see a tribute to Prince. The Bookshelf is an independently owned cultural hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph, Ontario. More information about the Bookshelf's hours, listings, blogs, directions, accessibility, and to order books from their online store from anywhere in the world, please visit bookshelf.ca. Kazoo Fest, Guelph's year-round new music series and annual festival showcasing emerging independent musicians, visual artists, and dancers, is celebrating their 10th anniversary this June. To mark this milestone, Kazoo is hosting a weekend of concerts and events on June 3rd and 4th, featuring album release shows by Shotgun Jimmy and Hooded Fang, plus performances by Bernice, Dry Webb and the Providers, and much more. Each event is all ages, taking place in various Guelph locations, with a special cover price of just $5 for every single show. To learn more about these events, including ticketing, scheduling, and accessibility information, visit kazookazoo.ca. Come on out and celebrate Kazoo and independent music in Guelph on June 3rd and 4th in the year 2016. Creative Control with Vish Smiling And I'm a shining 
Daniel Romano is a multi-talented musician, producer, label co-owner, and fashion entrepreneur who lives in Fenwick, Ontario. Over the past 15 years, he's made a name for himself in bands like Attack in Black and Daniel, Fred, and Julie, and as a solo artist, exploring the far reaches of folk and country and rock music. His fifth solo album is called Mosey, and it may well be his most ambitious record to date. It's out worldwide via New West Records on May 27th, and Romano and his band hit the road pretty hard right around then. Here to discuss some of this stuff is Daniel Romano. Uh, hi, Daniel. Hello, How are you? I'm good. Where are you? Uh, I am in Welland, Ontario. Welland, Ontario. Okay, which is near, not too far from Fenwick. Right. But this is a, the last time I think I was... Well, the last time we were together, you might have actually come to Guelph. I think uh, I was with you, yeah. Yeah, you came and chatted uh, with me at a, I think at a, a vintage guitar store, that Folkway is, Music. That's exactly what we did, yeah. That's right. And then when you left, you sent me a song about my son. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> that you recorded on your phone, which he still, uh, he's that was, uh, well, he must have been one or one and a half. He yeah. still remembers that song. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah, I sort of remember nice, it. <laughs> it's, he, at the time, was misspeaking Le- a little played bit. Tagar in an Airy Cokie bar, right? That's right. That's yeah. right. That's the one. Yeah. Well, it's amazing you were able to bring that back to your uh, your. Uh, You'd be mind surprised there. at the important things I forget. <laughs> so you're in Fenwick. You moved. Uh, what I was where I was going was I think I did visit you in your uh, studio yeah. at the time, which was I think it was in your parents' house in Welland, right? Yes, that's right. So you moved the whole thing, lock, stock, and two smoking barrels, whatever that movie is. You moved it all out into this place in Fenwick. Yep. Wow, that's good. Yeah, it's great. Do you get homesick? Uh, no, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) What did you get? Is it Fenwick like a rural community? Is it a farm thing that you got? Yeah, more or less. It's a bit of a compound these days. My my sound engineer, uh, Kenny Meehan, lives above me. um, And uh, Spencer and his whole family live behind me, Spencer Burton. Oh, like on the property? Yeah. And you all have like, well, he has like weird hair and a beard. Like it is, it's like a, it's like a, I don't want to say Branch Davidian. I don't want to say Manson family. <laughs> but there's something weird probably going on. If people were driving by, they're like, what the hell? That's, yeah. That's well, we, it's, it's funny how little we all communicate with each other, considering we basically live in the same giant farmhouse. He's in, a, he's in like the addition in the back, so I never see him. I see Kenny every day because uh, he usually comes down for coffee and then uh, we work all day. So that's... that's uh, I see Spencer like rolling around with the pigs and stuff in the back, you know. But is it is it your compound or is, is it totally communal? Is everyone? It's just it's, keep... it's communal uh, as far as the land goes. It's communal. Yeah, Spencer Spencer pretty much tends to everything uh, in that regard. Okay, so that's that's a nice communal enterprise. Really, that's a, that's a good way to own some land. And I mean, you're a guy who, who thrives on community. So I now I expect nothing less. Now that we've talked about it, it sort of makes sense to me. That's yeah. important to you, right? To have your friends nearby. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, so that I can tell them to go away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know how long ago it was. It might have been a year or two ago. I received, I can't remember if it was a tape or a CDR of something by you called Mosey. Do you know what I'm referring to? Or the King of Mosey, I think it might have been called. Was that uh, a thing that circulated? Maybe. Oh, that you didn't you didn't send it? I feel like it was your people at the time were like, "This is a very limited thing." Oh, oh, it was a tour. It was a tour release or something like eleven Mosey originals or something like that, right? That's it what green, it was. Yeah, green that's cover. Right. 
I think so. I think it's on top top of my fridge still in the kitchen. I should yeah should have dug it out actually. But and as you've changed, yeah. oh, it was a huge change release. I think so. Yeah. Okay, I think I I just got like a very. It seemed almost like you'd homemade it or something. Like a, yeah, it was a rush job. <laughs> rush job. Yeah. yeah. So that was that was the first inkling, and then you did at the time. I think you'd done an interview with someone. Uh, that it was a very extensive interview with someone where you discussed being the king of Mosey. So that was, as I say, a year or two ago. You're always changing. What does the concept of Mosey mean to you now compared to what it meant then? Um, I don't remember what it meant then, but Mosey to me is just a, a tag to go along with whatever I feel like I need to do. Um, and to keep me away from <clears throat> particular boxes that uh, have, you know, don't, do not interest me in the least. Um, you you created your own box. Is that what you've done? Well, it's just kind of a. It's almost a slight, or a, to make a, you know, to make the whole thing what it is, which is a bit of a joke. Um, well, you know, people are right. limiting themselves, and and the industry is limiting uh, its artists to sort of belong to particular clubs that have very niche audiences and niche markets um and uh <clears throat> you know art with limitations is arguably not art at all so i don't really understand why that would ever become a thing right so i mean you had kind of when you when you emerged as a solo artist you seem to be employing various uh tropes that belong to different things but those of us who knew you well knew that they you weren't long for any particular genre you know yeah. you you're a guy you're a guy who moves i mean interestingly the term mosey and you can correct me if i've got this wrong but when i think of the term mosey it's it's moving slowly yeah it's pretty uh, ironic i guess cuz that is the opposite of what i do you move very quickly yeah. has, has this been point, pointed out to you before uh yeah <laughs> 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 so you're not a guy who moseys, you seem to be more frenetic. No, I, it's I virtually the only thing in my life that moves slowly is the name of the that. That's it. <laughs> right. Exactly. You so so did you choose it as Keeps a way to me check level yourself? Head. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, you know. Just like calm down. It was more calm of down, a, down. Yeah, I think yeah. I mean that's basically uh how I relate to it now. Okay. You you lean on it as a as a almost a a spiritual to, yeah, mon- step back mantra and look almost for a second. Yeah. Some of us have Om. Yeah. You have Mosey. Exactly. Pretty similar you, linguistically. You, <laughs> it is actually. <laughs> do you ever do you ever say it to yourself in a kind of meditative state to calm yourself down before? No, the show, I might or? start doing that though. I feel Mosey. like the consonants at the end are a little sort of like stark and distracting. Yes. Yes. Maybe just yeah, Mose you... would be better. But adding the <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think I know what you mean. You you were alluding to the fact that you work in an industry that, just for the sake of uh, commercial purposes, will limit its artist, or at least limit an audience's perception to what that artist is all about. I had a conversation with a, a band on this show not too long ago. They're they're called Several Futures, and we struck upon a conversation. They're like a, a they're older gentlemen. They're about my age, you know, like pushing forty, if not mm-hmm. already in there, and they make kind of post-punk music so we were talking about and it was very much derived it was a sound that we all of that vintage we would have grown up with it and really taken to it and so to hear guys making brand new songs 
incorporating that kind of sound, I mean, it's important. That's a formative part of them. So it's really real, but it's also sort of a throwback to anyone right. listening now. So anyway, we had this conversation about how time is now a flat circle. Yeah. And that, and that every era and genre signifier seems to be able to live together now, and everyone is fine with it. Uh, there's no more real, like, fashion seems to have frozen, where you can wear anything from any era now, and no one would bat an eye. Yeah. What is your relationship like with time and cultural temporality? Because, as we've discussed... Well, everything is stagnant, like you said. You know, uh, there's, okay. no, there's no real, there's no cultural identity, uh, you know, for anyone, and hasn't been since, you know, the, whatever, two, the early 2000s. Um, and... I just don't really know uh, why everyone is so stagnant and why everything is so flat. It's very curious. But you you see it. Like, you you, you don't have an explanation for it. Oh, yeah, it enrages me. I mean, it's all I think about, you know. You've written about it on this record, right? Mostly, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is a big part of this record in terms of where beauty and appreciation for beauty has really gone. yeah. So I and it enrages you. I mean, what when you you point out the the turn of the century, which uh, I mean, on a, on a worldwide level, that was right around the time where we started basically a world war. Yeah, uh, we are constantly, seemingly in wartime. Well, and it's a war that changed nothing. It's a war that changed nothing in a global scale, but it's also a war that changed nothing in people's hearts or people's opinions, except to become more backwards than they ever were before. It was a, it was a giant step backwards. Well, did it not deflate hope? I mean, oh, it, I hope is like... gone. Hope is fully gone. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean today more than ever, you know. Um I mean, I'm t- I'm talking about a real military war, but there's also the climate change mentality of where and and just a, a battle against intellectualism. There are multiple wars that are going on that I think have led to the stagnation you're talking well, about. Well, yeah, you, every element of, of, of the human, you know, condition is at war. And and so do you think that's why we're stagnant? Because there's, within that, you say all hope is gone, I would think if we're... Well, I don't really mean at, that, but it really feels that way. <laughs> I think that that's how most people feel. You, you know? don't feel that way. Uh, no, I don't. I'm ready to revolt. Let's go. Get, you want to go? Let's go. Where are we going? You're having a difficult time rallying. Or sorry, are you seeing? Are you saying? Are you seeing Mosey as some kind of rallying? Cry? No, I'm not. This, no, no, I'm not. Okay. I, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not that politically conscious. I just think something's got to give. You know, beyond the. You know, if you, uh, think speaking specifically musically, what has evolved in the last two decades other than hip hop? Right. I don't think much... Well, hmm, that's an interesting way of putting it because I think on some level there has been a lot of evolution within independent <sighs> rock, so to speak. Only in that it speaks to that flat circle thing. Yes. You remember, I don't know what your upbringing was like. You're, you're, I think you're a good decade or something younger than me or something. But there, I've talked about this multiple times. But growing up there was... I grew up in an age where orthodoxy and music and fashion and culture melted. Yeah. It used to be like you were in a camp. Yeah. You you liked an action movie, you liked hip hop, so you didn't like metal, and then all of that at some point seemed to I think Merge mostly into a gross 
ah. kind of blob. <laughs> you oh, wait a minute. So are you advocating for that separation? Like, do you think that that led to to a degree? Yeah, but I mean, you also need open-minded people who are exploring all avenues. You know, that's really the problem. I'm not. I'm all for musical segregation. I think that that's fine because if you do something, if you have a style, style is really what's missing outside of hip hop. Outside, okay, let's let's sit, let's sit on that for a little bit. What is your because you know as they tend to do when you release a promotional photo for whatever you're working on, people are they they cock an eyebrow, they cock an eyebrow. Is that a thing? I don't sure. know what you cock. Yeah, sure. <laughs> they arch an eyebrow. They yeah. arch an eyebrow because they're like, oh, because you have done some very interesting things stylistically. For those people who haven't followed you, I'd say that since you've left Attack in Black, you've been in. Uh, denim work shirts you've been in nudie suits your latest promotional photo is very much what people have pointed out is you have kind of a a mid-60s bob dylan afro but you're wearing and you're wearing a polka dot shirt which i noticed is something he used to wear around that period as well you know when he was with the band but you're also wearing and i'm forgive me if i'm putting too fine a point on this but you're also wearing an adidas tracksuit yes uh, jacket so there's this weird I mean, so that, again, I swore I would not talk to you too much about fashion, but I think it has to come up with given what you do and, and how you present yourself. That's what funny. is going on? What What is going on in this image? Well, I suppose my intention was to leave that up to, you know, the viewer, but mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I suppose it's just some nods and I want, I, I, I want to keep that vague, but it's very intentional and, uh, it, you know, it's all things that I enjoy. Um, but uh, things don't... Th basically, it, 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 in, the, in the vaguest, broadest sense, it's saying things don't have to be as they seem for the formula to remain. And, uh, you know, if you think about uh, classic country fans, people that like classic country, they're some of the most, you know, they can be some of the most stubborn, you know, uh, close-minded people but they love that and i love that about them but at the same time those are the kind of people who need to sort of understand that those influences can reach uh you know broader spectrums than they have been limited to without immediately converting to some sort of you know glistening pop uh pseudo rap crossover thing or whatever's happening now. You know what I mean? That's not the only other avenue that that formula can explore. Right. This goes back what to what you, were, this is, what, what you were saying earlier about how you believe in a kind of musical segregation is that you want to see various genres, I guess, excel and, and be at the top level without being watered down by by in a contrived way, incorporating elements of other things. Yeah. To, well, I see, yeah. you know, I see, I've always seen myself as a student, but like, uh, I think of it more like high school where you have different classes, you know, you're not, you're it's not so, um, p path driven. It's more, it's, it's broader. There's, lo there's lots of, um, you know, different avenues that can spark your interest at different times and things like this. And uh, I, I approach music that way. I don't listen to one style of music only. You know, I never have. 
and I don't think that I would ever want to just play one style of music uh, because it sounds like the opposite of fun. <laughs> sure. And we, we, we are at a time where I think there are some musicians who, in order to become to feel idiosyncratic and fulfilled, will kind of offer their audience a, a kind of false futurism. You know, that no one knows what the future brings, but they'll no. just make music that seems technologically advanced. Yeah. It seems like something you wouldn't be able to do if you were just picking up a guitar. You you mentioned, you know, in, in this image that adorns the new album. It's the album cover, really, is this photo yeah. that we were alluding to. You say it's a, no, a, a nod. They are a couple of nods, and they are an expression of how you were feeling that day or whatever. You tend to build upon history. You have a lot of respect for history. And when I asked you earlier about your relationship with time and temporality, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like you I think you view history as and like a lot of us do as it's the precedent. It's what you build anything going forward of course. upon. It's always a foundation and it acts as a roadmap. Right, but then we also are in a point where this again, time is a flat circle. How do you let go of history to create something original? and new without, you know, like, do you have to, you don't ignore history and I don't ignore history. I mean, it's very important to me. What's the, I need that. I need that help going forward in my, in my work, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious how you, like, could you, like this record is, there's so many allusions to so many different things and so many different people and so many different aesthetics that are mostly things I pick up from the past. There's actually an Afro, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think there's an Afrobeat part on your record. Is that yeah, right? Definitely, yeah. It's like an overt Afrobeat thing yeah. at the end of uh, Maybe Remember Me, as yeah. I recall. So there's all this stuff where you're, you're, you're messing with people. I don't know. I just wonder about that, that relationship. Like, do you ever get bogged down in history, do you think? No, I, I, I don't tend to think... Those sort of, uh, you know, influences creep in uh, unintentionally, you know, uh, <clears throat> uh, you get to a point, uh, you know, as a student where these things are sort of, uh, inherent and, uh, you don't think about it. It's just, it happens and it's either, it either feels right or it doesn't. And, you know, because of the sort of speed that I work at most of the time, um, I don't really allow the things that aren't going to happen to even happen in the first place. So it, the the momentum is what keeps it organic and what keeps it modern and what keeps it uh, you know fresh to me, which is the ultimate goal, is I have to like it enough to allow it to be released by the time that time comes. Yeah. You know, and that's the biggest struggle for me, um, you know, working mostly alone on things like this is... Uh, keeping it you know remaining excited throughout it is it fair to say that some of your more overt influences in your solo work are are influences that you came to somewhat later in life i was talking earlier about a band uh several futures that uh they're they're in their marrow is that post-punk sound that's yeah. what they they gravitated towards as a kid but my sense sometimes is is in with each new record that you put out I'm like, oh, Dan probably started listening to Serge Gainsborough or something. Like, I can kind of hear things, and I wonder if it's an impulsive, like, holy shit, I've just heard this for the first time. It's amazing. I'm not, I'm not questioning your your knowledge. I just wonder about 
when you've discovered these sounds because they seem to my sense of you is you hear something or you think of something and you do it right uh, like if you think of something you're going to try to do it and i don't know if that works the same way for you as a someone who processes music you you're you're listening to yeah i mean it, 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 it there's a quick turnaround as far as uh <clears throat> you know something that i might hear um that i want to sort of you know, steal the soul from or, or whatever <laughs> it might be. <laughs> Incorporated into your own aesthetic is yeah. maybe a nicer way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. I don't think you're, I don't think you're stealing and I don't, and I, I do think it's endearing. Like I, I, for some reason, some of your songs, Valerie Leon and uh, Leon, Valerie yeah. Leon and Mystery Me reminded me of uh, the actor Lee Majors. Are you a big Lee Majors fan? No. <laughs> so Lee Lee Majors was in the the show uh he was in the the 6 million dollar man. Right, right. But yeah, he was, yeah. the show that I liked the most was The Fall Guy where he played a stuntman on a show and it was just like an he was like an action star where the stuntman guy had to deal with real crime and real capers all of a sudden. Okay. And they it's sort of like late 70s early 80s I think. I it made an impression on me because there was a beautiful blonde woman on the show and I was a yeah. little kid. I yeah. was like, whoa. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, my point is that it had that, those songs of yours remind me of that kind of 70s splendor that the strings and the big, it is, I mean, Mystery Me could be a theme song on some level. It almost yeah. seems like it's kicking off a TV show. And, and so uh, I don't know where I was going with this other than <laughs> I feel like, I feel like they, some of your work on this record is really, sponging all sorts of culture um uh, all sorts of music all sorts of stuff did you feel like there was a cinematic was there a cinematic influence on this record so to well speak? in a way yeah uh all, all, all the instrumentals that are on the record are from sort of an abandoned uh uh short film project uh that i just sort of wanted to exist uh because i still liked them um and i don't really know uh you know the the sort of actual songs uh are all all born initially from poems uh and i really didn't think too much about arrangement or music until uh it was basically half laid down um i knew that i wanted to arrange that was something that was a sort of a personal challenge uh and something that i've always enjoyed uh you know thinking about and and sort of casually working on, but uh, I, I wanted to, uh, you know, have write music for people to play, you know, and um, yeah, and that was a pretty high thrill for me, uh, and a, a very enjoyable process. I mean, you've worked with a lot of people on their records. You've not had a, an occasion yet to arrange a string section. No, yeah, sure. exactly, yeah. So that, that, what is it about, you know, string sections seem to have come into vogue over the last, when you talk about the uh, potential lack of innovation here and there, that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think string sections have been in music for a long time, but it seems to be like you can't see a band now without some strings in it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it, it does add a, a, an interesting element. What about the, the string? And I mean, you're, you had a fascination or you have a fascination with the music of George Jones, the, the kind of more orchestral country music. Yeah. Um, so, uh, was it just, just, you just was waiting for you to, you were just waiting for the right time to incorporate strings? Was I guess it basically it? lives in every, you know, it's, it's one way or another in every world that I, you know, delve into, uh, that would be one big parallel. So, um, I guess I hear it so much, 
and the various things that I uh, listen to for enjoyment. And uh, I feel like I wanted to sort of uh, hone that power or um, understand how to control and, and conduct it. Um, yeah, so that's basically what I set out to do. It was my first, uh, you know, uh, inclination musically as far as w the vision of what this was going to be. Uh, and beyond that, I, I, uh, I kept it pretty organic. I let, and, the, and I let the words become songs sort of by themselves. Well, this this brings me to back to this song, Mystery Me, which when I was listening to it, I was like, oh, this seems very autobiographical somehow. What can you tell me about that song? Hmm. Well, I do feel like it's pretty straightforward. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, it sort of touches on the idea of, of, uh, feeling trapped and, and feeling, uh, copied and feeling, um, like my, uh, one of my various identities was sort of, uh, taken as a more than it was. And, uh, some people decided to run with it and, um, I just don't want to be a pioneer of anything like that. Okay. And so you, do you view yourself as more mysterious than people think you are? No, I don't know. I don't view okay. myself as mysterious at all because I know <laughs> who I am, but, uh, but do uh, you know who you are, Dan? That's where I'm getting, that's, that's what, that's what I'm getting at. Oh, de do you know yeah, who you definitely. Are? Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Because as a, as a guy who's constantly changing identities, we were, you know, over the last few months, I think people have rethought about and reassess David Bowie a little bit more. And he's come up in conversations with younger artists with me prior to his passing. I remember I talked to Max Turnbull. Or uh, you, Do you know Max? He's Slim Twig? Uh, yeah, I don't know him personally. Yeah. yeah. He's a guy also. There's a guy who, uh, a young guy who also I think shares your frustration of like, everyone thought I was this and yeah. I'm not... I'm a human being. Yeah. Human beings change all the time. It's so frustrating. And he pointed to someone like Bowie, who, unlike a lot of people, could get away with changing. Well, it's just nobody um, wants that anymore. Nobody in the industry, quote unquote, industry, uh, wants that. They're afraid of that now. The industry is holding back the artists and holding back the public from good quality. But haven't we? Hasn't the narrative over the last at least ten years now been that the industry has lost its grip on? Well, the industry the doesn't exist. Right. right. <laughs> so how can it? How can it have the control? You're saying it just seems yeah, like we're. I just think that there's these people like clinging, you know, for life to this job that they have. Oh, uh, I see. You know what I mean? Uh, and uh, you know, like, what are you going to do when? you've devalued the thing that you sell uh, to the point of zero. You can't just put a price tag on something again once you've made it free, once the world has accepted it as a, uh, you know, uh, a gift that you right. can just get, you know, what, it's not an industry anymore. The other thing that's been going through, uh, at least going through the zeitgeist or whatever you want to talk about is just how, particularly with the ascent of someone like Donald Trump in the States is just like the, the dumbing down of the culture. Uh, the fact that so many people believe things that aren't 
real. <laughs> yeah. And they they mistrust intellectualism. It seems to me that you're of the same when you're talking about the music industry and what people are willing to accept as being the genuine article, you're kind of saying the same thing, right? Like the the consumer is equally at fault here. Yes. And that frustrates you. But the consumer the consumer is innocent in the sense that if you think about the casual listener, the casual listener is going to enjoy or not enjoy whatever they are told to listen to, whatever they are like fed. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's the industry's job to be of an artistic mind and to feed that, but that is not the case anymore. They're looking for they're looking for parallels, they're looking for similarities to what is working. You know, no one is taking a chance. No one has taken a chance outside of hip-hop again. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, I mean, really, I mean, oh, I would say that, like, you know, top 40 pop music has some, you know, evolving qualities still. But as far as, uh, you know, anything even grassroots, which is, like, really the crying shame of the whole situation because that's where things should be evolving, that's where sh things should be shifting and influencing, um, you know, the the sort of like upper 20% of the people who are massive, you know. Again, you have Arcade Fire, bands like that who are doing it and always have done it properly uh, and sort of escaped that grip. But, sure. but that is uh, not the going rate. But hasn't one of the things that I that you you're alluding to that I think that the industry was astute about in a nefarious way was that they realized there was an uptake in the casual listener. If you actually think about how disposable music has become and how much of it is background. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even like at shows, yeah. which used to be an almost sacred environment where you, all of us had paid our money to see a thing and, and, and enjoy it and concentrate on it. Even that has been uh, devalued where it's... And I'm not going to sound. I don't mean to sound like a crotchety old dude. And anyone younger you. than, uh, but anyone younger than me would think that. Like, what's the big deal? I got my cell phone out. I'm taking photos and yeah. videos of the show while it's happening, and I'm texting my friends and I'm talking to them during the show. On some level, who am I to be dogmatic about it and say that's wrong? Sure. On another, yeah. it's wrong. Yeah. It is a complete, a complete devaluing of the what's going on in front of you, and that's part of this is that we, I think we live in a world where nothing seems real. Definitely. We are so obsessed with virtual stuff, 
And I think that's what's maybe happening. And maybe is that also, is that a thing that you think you're addressing in your work? Because you mentioned there's some bitterness here. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm always bitter. <laughs> you're not always bitter. <laughs> I don't think you are always bitter. I don't no, think of I'm you not. as a bitter guy. But it does seem like you are, this is a record where you're trying to comment on... Well, the reality is this. The reality is this. I'm going to do it, you know, if it puts me in a gutter. I'm going to do it if I have to live, like, with the rats. But um, I don't want that to be the case, clearly. And a lot of things have to change drastically for it not to be. And these these changes, I don't think, are are possible at this point, which is, uh, you know... So, really, I think what the record is, is it's an acceptance of my inevitable future as a, you know, a sort of dog person. A dog person? Yeah, you know, just like a, a I don't know what'll happen. That's just the first thing that came to my head. What do you mean? You, you, you'll turn into half a dog? I don't know what maybe. a dog person is. Yeah, I mean, or maybe. You, maybe literally. Or will you just be a guy who has a lot of dogs? I don't know what a dog person <laughs> I could, is. It could be that. It could be that I'm a guy who lives like a dog. Uh, huh. I don't know. I just feel like probably... Uh, a dog or the sort of uh, uh, lifestyle of a dog will be involved in some way. <laughs> <laughs> we we have spoken, I think, quite broadly about the industry and consumption and, and audiences. What is your relationship with your audience or what do you think it should be? Because you are taking people on a trip with your work. Your trajectory... I think that the people who would really consider themselves a, a fan of what I do embrace the, the, the shapes that take, you know, that that I take on and, and whatever, um, and sort of, uh, appreciate me sort of on a songwriting level and, uh, are willing to take the trip on whatever sort of shape those songs take, you know, and it's not really about anything other than that. And, and I mean, I'm not, this, this record that you've made isn't, you, you've, you have kind of honed a, a country persona let's is that fair do you i know you're bristling i can feel it (laughs) you you have kind of done this there's no denying that right yeah i was given one yes oh you were given one yeah what do you mean what hang on a second what on the last is it the last album one of your last album covers you're wearing full like a nudie suit a red nudie suit and a cowboy a stetson well so did snoop dog snoop dog did that yeah once he did that on an album cover no Oh, he just wore that. Yeah. Okay, so you're. What does that mean? Is well, he a pro- Is he is he a country singer? No, but he was appropriating it probably for to make a point. Yeah. But you, if if someone put on your record, it would actually there wouldn't be the cognitive dissonance. It, this makes sense to me. It, it's sort of weird, probably, for someone that a guy in his twenties or thirties is making this music now and dressing like this. But the music and the imagery on your in your case makes way more sense than Snoop Dogg doing it. Well, sure, but maybe you know what I mean. Maybe it was the, an approach where this music is being murdered, uh, and this it needs to be <laughs> it needs to be sort of uh, had, somebody needs to pay attention to that. Oh, is, is is that a point you were trying to make? Well, it's not a it's not a point I wasn't trying to make. Okay, that's a fair answer. That you're talking to me like I talk to my son sometimes. <laughs> He just said that to me. He's like, "Can I have? Can I have that toy tomorrow?" And I kept saying, "I'm not going to say yes." Yeah. That was my response. It's a horrible thing to say to a child <laughs> and to a guy interviewing you. Frankly, uh, <laughs> no. I oh, okay. So in any case, you have 
honed this persona on some level or it's been ascribed to you and you were probably played on country music television and all sorts of other no i wasn't no no no. okay you're still a niche thing oh yeah but yeah. you were, weren't you? You were kind of embraced by what American songwriter? Probably no depression has covered you, like the country, yeah, the Americana uh, world, which is like you know, arguably the worst of them all. Really, I think so. Because what How is so? it? It's void of anything. You know, it's so vague and broad, and yet it's niche. You know, if you're a blues artist, you can be Americana. If you're a rock and roll artist, you can be Americana. If you're like a throwback folk artist, you can be Americana. If you're, you know, three-piece string Mm. cheese band, whatever. So you're not a fan of these pluralistic music festivals either, I assume. No. Good is good. (laughs) That's what's gone. People are just checking off boxes like, hey, I got it. I got ourselves a world music act. I've got ourselves a thing like a metal band. We're, we've got some women. I've got some visible minorities. You're saying that all of those, I know you're not saying this necessarily, but you think that <laughs> those kinds of considerations are maybe taking more, being taken more seriously than the actual skill set, talent. Well, it's all that really matters. It's, it's, it's just uh, for pe- people have no identity now. There's the the culture has no identity, so they're looking for clubs, looking for clubs to belong to, and uh, uh, the the clubs are you know they don't really exist. They're they're you know um, manufactured by desperate people in the industry trying to develop something that will last, which none of it will. Mm. Um, because it's not good overall, you know what I mean? And it doesn't speak to this generation. You, you've done a thing on your new record where you've, you're, one of your special guests is actually Rachel McAdams. Um, yeah. Who, someone who is an actress, I don't think I, and she is essentially playing a role in the song Toulouse, right? I mean, yeah. it's not really singing. It's a, is that yeah. fair? She's, She's acting, kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. She's acting. And that to me is a interesting, you know, so many, you mentioned earlier, so many people have uh, weird, like if they're a country artist or a hip hop artist, they'll have Willie Nelson or, you know, they'll just do a thing that's sort of, sort of weird. It's sort of a nice nod to how open-minded the world could be, Yeah. but it's also maybe a bit gimmicky. You've got an actress playing a role on your record. That's very interesting. I don't know of too many people who do that. How did that come to be? Uh, like how did that happen? Or like let's the start, idea. Let's start with I want to I, I want to start with the idea, and then I want to actually just I'm just curious how you've come to rope her in. <laughs> I didn't mean to make a weird country music uh, <laughs> illusion there, like some kind of cowboy thing, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, well, um, the song I mean ba- basically just called for once it was written. Uh, it was a two character type song, and um, it felt like the sort of. Uh, a character that could go beyond a vocal performance, you know, uh, something that needed more feeling than just singing. Hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I've, you know, I've known Rachel <clears throat> for a little while, um, a couple of, almost three years or something now. And, uh, it just seemed like the right, uh, fit, you know, uh, she's an incredible actor. And, um, it was. She's like Oscar nominated, isn't she? Yeah, she's like the best. 
Um, She's Oscar nominated and Canadian. Yeah. And spends part of her time in Ontario. So you, you've just developed a friendship with her. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I don't know. She was totally game right off the bat, and uh, you know, um, to- like killed it. Just came in and just destroyed it. It virtually took like you know ten minutes. The whole thing. Nice. Yeah. And 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 so that's a move that uh, it, it's it's by the sounds of it. I mean, she's obviously a name uh, that people would recognize. You potentially will draw people into your music because of this. But well, it wasn't she, done she's of, she's very kind to me in that way. Yeah. So, but she's gonna. So people are gonna pay attention to to her song and maybe your record as a result of this. But it was done for artful purposes. I mean, Definitely. You got anyone. Yeah. But you're like, well, if I need an actress, I know the best actress. I know the best one. Yeah. I'm gonna ask her to be yeah, on this. I, exactly. Had she done any? Had she done anything like that before? No, no. I'm. Uh, I mean, she's. I think she's done some like she's done voice work and stuff. But she, that was her first sort of song performance. Right. And then throughout the record, there's recurring uh, woman's laughter. Is that always her? Yeah, those are just outtakes. <laughs> She's just chuckling at the probably at the performance. Yeah, but it, it gives it a. It reminds me again of Serge Gainsbourg. Like there's a kind of this this. She becomes this thing that ties the record together. That yeah. laughter. Yeah. And I don't know if that's. Is it just because is there is there a symbolic reason for that? You, you we've talked a lot about what the record is kind of addressing, but to have this someone just laughing in the background, uh, I don't know. Does well, that mean something? Uh, maybe, uh, it's, it can mean lots of things. Maybe it's hysterical. Maybe it's um, like actually humorous. Um, laughter is, it felt like the perfect setting for uh, a lot of the topics, you know, whether it's um, ironic or, or, uh, you know, sort of more truthful um, so it's a it's it's there's something like you you mentioned the bitterness you mentioned uh and i mean it's it's there's obviously quite earnest and there's some good stories here is this a satiric record in any way no no it's a it's a the genuine earnest expression yes but you you that you have a i lot mean of to course there's sort of like you know the, the tongue in cheek aspect of toulouse is a little more uh a little t- like tamer as far as content, but um, yeah, I would say that's pretty much the only cut. Okay, so you you've said that you're not uh, politically motivated necessarily. This isn't necessarily a record that is a call to arms. It's just something that you've been feeling and you put out here, and you want to give people probably something to think about. Really, what do you hope people take away from this particular record? Because there's a lot of messaging in here. We've hinted at some of it. We've addressed some of it. What do you hope that the, the a serious music fan takes away from this? Um, I would say just to sort of have a, a, you know, the same realization that I had, which is simply um, that it's gone. <laughs> this is a record that to help people accept that whatever virtuous spirit. Well, and they can take it. You know, they can take gone. it from there. You know whether that's something that they're willing to live with or not, but I'm basically calling it out as a reality. It's not, it, you know, that's never in the artist's hands, you know, so because, you know, that's not something that you can control. It's not something that anyone can control, case in point, the industry, you know. The, yeah, the, and I'm... 
the, yeah. the collapse. And there's just really <clears throat> nothing anyone can do. You know, I, I, I've talked, I actually talked to Rachel about this because I talk about this all the time and probably bore people to death with it. But, uh, you know, her, her opinion was like, well, the, the film and television industry basically learned what not to do from the music industry. And mm-hmm. we've yet to turn that around for ourselves, uh, you know, and, you know, so basically it's the same scenario as, you know, it's paralleling um, the sort of false democracy that we're currently living in, um, just very much so specifically in the music industry where, you know, the bigwigs are, are sort of getting by, not like they used to, but they're they're making lots of money. And uh, the middle class is sort of confused and jobless and there's no value in their work. And when you have no value in what you're doing, uh, how do you keep from, how do you keep sane? How do you keep your drive without violence? Which is why you invoke the phrase revolution. Yeah. When you say uh, that Rachel mentions that the film and television industry learned from the music industry, can you pinpoint that a little? Well, I think basically what she's trying to get at is like um, strict streaming specials, things like this, you know, that that really worked out um, high quality television and these things, stories that... uh, you know, if if you think about whatever, HBO or, or something like that, it's always been of a high quality, but... You had to pay for it. Exactly. <laughs> like people had to pay for it and actually... And people still have to pay to it. for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's never not been but a it, paid but model. It, but it delivers, you know? Right. Right. So you're... And, and, and so artists, music, musicians are a little bit more hard done by. They're not always getting paid. They're, uh, they're never getting paid. They're never getting paid what they should. They're getting always getting paid last. It does seem like musicians, maybe an actor or a filmmaker would totally disagree with me, but it does seem like musicians are expected to pay their dues a little bit more. Um, you know, play, to, play to no one and put out your record for free. Just I, to think get a that, I think that becoming an actor would be much more daunting, personally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the only thing worse than being a musician these days is being like a visual artist or a poet, you know? Yeah. Because yeah, sure. there's no market at all. Or it's so, it's so impossible. There is a market, of course, but it's like, it's just been destroyed. Well, this is why so many niche uh, artistic ex- forms of, you know, niche forms of artistic expression often try to cross over. Well, like the, 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 yeah, and the way the way I look at it is, art is everywhere, and art has never been more important, but it's also never been more devalued. Right. So people are getting what they want, but the artists are getting no compensation. Right, and so there, these are these are some themes. <laughs> of course, this is running. like the most boring topic that everybody covers, you know, from no, Jay Z to Taylor Swift and 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 everyone in between, but. It is reality, and that's why it's being talked about. The one thing we didn't really uh, engage with, even though you mentioned it many times, is is why you feel hip-hop is thriving and innovating and able to do that. Why is that? Because their industry is is uh, based on self-promotion initially, and uh, it's it's there are stepping stones and there are hands that are reaching out to grab, you know? 
and there's the, the the hustle exists and it uh there are there are certain stepping stones that are there for you people are helping mm. each other out it's way more community based um you know and uh people are self-made they control the industry hmm. hip hop the, the industry yeah. of hip hop is very much controlled by the artists but there there's certainly examples of other genres and other movements and other gatherings that have done the same of course but have they ever been so big no they've not maybe pervaded the culture on such a worldwide level that's true i mean i i've long argued that hip hop has the most impact on how we speak to each other Definitely. and how we communicate and it's what we changed wear it's and... changed everything it's the only sort of evolution/revolution that's happened um you know in 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 the in the life time of a millennial yeah 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 and i think that you can see the manifestations from that on the highest levels of course of course yeah okay no that that's fair i appreciate you addressing that now uh i alluded to the fact that you uh, speaking of self-made people do you not still have a a gene store what do you have you do something with fashion and jeans i wanted to talk to you once and you said i will only talk to you vish about fashion and i was like that's weird <laughs> Dan Romano to write back to me, but okay. What's going on with you in fashion and denim? I don't know what's going on. Uh, nothing right now. I, I, I me, uh, you know, I have a store front in Fenwick uh, with uh, uh, Spencer and and uh, a few other people, and uh, it's um, actually Kay Burkle who plays with me and Kenny, my sound engineer, uh, are involved as well, and Spencer's uh, girlfriend. Oh, so you just have a you have a storefront in the town you live in that yeah. sells sells what? What do you sell? Vintage clothing. Vintage clothes. Oh, like used clothing. Well, good used clothing. Good used clothing. High quality. Used High clothing. quality there, used clothing. Yes. Is there a mail order or something, or do you have to go? Um, no, there's like an Etsy store or something, but um, the store is you know we keep sort of like jerk hours. Whatever, whenever we want to open, we open kind of thing. Okay, and what's it called? It's called Friday's Child. Friday's Child. What is that allusion to? Uh, Friday's Child is what well, I've. I don't even remember right now. Um, carrying and giving. I think you know that old nursery rhyme. Oh right, 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 right. Okay, okay, okay. All right. So you're still doing that, but it's not. You're not as uh, immersed in fashion as you might have been the last time I tried to talk to you. Uh, only personally. Right. You like yeah. to wear clothes. I like you to wear clothes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just wear clothes that you buy <laughs> yeah. or make and then that's it. That's the that's, extent of it. Yeah, exactly. So when people go and see you now, uh, on the tour that you're going to do, yeah. will they see you in some sort of, this is not meant to be disparaging. Will they see you in some form of a costume? Are you more casual, Dan, these days? I'm not sure. I haven't packed yet. <laughs> <laughs> you're still are you just based on this image that you've again very provocative photo everyone's talking about it a little bit uh among the music people um yeah it just suggests it signaled a, another evolution for you and just in terms of how you look because uh, right. people get really i think to a fault people get obsessed with how you dress yeah well i guess that's probably because i just wear whatever i want and people uh are sometimes uncomfortable with that or um, take it to, to mean more than maybe it does or maybe it means more than they take it to mean. Uh, it varies, of course, but um, 
But you're a showman. I'm, you ha- are a I'm showman. happy to. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm in the entertainment business. Right. You got to entertain people. Yep. That's what it is. Okay. So and myself. Right, you're amusing yourself. I do get that impression that you're often amusing yourself as much as you are anyone else. That's a thing that's that's important. I have fun with it, you know. Yeah. So you're when you write from a position of critique or criticism, you're also just like you know, you're writing almost from a a level as someone who appreciates good things. You're a fan as well, you know. Of course, I am. Yeah. You're concerned about the culture, not just as a member of who creates things, as someone who actually. No, I want it. I want it for myself. Yes. And for everyone. Okay, yeah. that's fair. That's fair. So you've got this long, uh, a lot of dates coming up in May, June, July, all over the world, really. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what is next? What is ne- and and Mosey's coming out uh, as I mentioned on New West Records. Is that and not? Is that is there something else in Canada? Is there anything going on with your record label? You've changed, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Uh, yeah, there's a, a, a sort of a power pop record that I made uh, under the alias Ancient Shapes which has recently become an actual band, um, where at least we had a rehearsal. <laughs> uh, but, uh, it, I, you know, um, that is coming out on You've Changed on the same day, LP release only. Oh, nice. Oh, it's the same day as your new album. Yeah. May 27th. Yeah. Okay, so Ancient Shapes on You've Changed, and then your record uh, will be out uh, the same day. And then touring, Anything other? any other plans? Um, I'm not sure as to what's happening when we come back from Europe, but I would imagine a quick American and Canadian run, uh, probably sort of early fall time. Okay. All right. So people can keep an eye on danielromanomusic.com yeah. for more information. Yeah. And you're on Twitter. I think it's the same thing. Yep. Something similar. Daniel, yeah. Do you handle your Twitter? That sounds Occasion- vaguely okay. dirty. Eh? <laughs> Occasionally. Yes, I do. Okay, so at Daniel Romano Music, you can follow him uh, there. Dan, is there a song from the new album, Mosey, that we can go out on? Is there something you can select for us? Uh, let me think here. That really cover, uh, I would say Hunger is a Dream That You Die In is probably the, the, the most topically relevant. It all is, really. It's all just about one thing. <laughs> but that's that's probably a good one. Hunger is a dream you die in. Is yeah. there, you say it's relevant. Is there anything else you can tell us about that? I meant to our conversation. No, I yeah. <laughs> and possibly the world. And possibly the world, yeah. Yes. If all goes anything, well. <laughs> anything else uh, about its production or anything that uh, sticks out for you? Anything we should keep an eye out for? Ear out for? Um, I don't really remember. Uh, I remember it's pretty cool. I think there's bongos. Okay, that's there you go. That's what I wanted. I, wa- I was just hoping you would say bongos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this I is, played uh, them. Hunger. You, play, you played everything except the, what, the strings and the piano or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. So you're still doing that. And, and there's a weird thing. Did you just set up a drum kit and play all the songs on drums without anything else? Yeah, that's how I made the punk record too, except uh, with Mosey I sort of knew what the songs were first. The punk record I just basically played drums. <laughs> in and like one like... one and a half minute bursts or less and then just kind of wrote and just powerhouse some riffs over top uh and i had all these poems laying around and made them fit it was pretty doesn't... fun i made the whole thing in two days but doesn't that lead to like if you don't know what you're doing necessarily you can't you don't have a uh, sorry other instruments to reference uh, does that not produce any kind of timing issue? I guess you just go by no. You, play I, on you drums. basically, I I just kind of try to remember uh, 
something that I did and try to go back to it, you know, yeah, which usually okay. becomes the chorus. I don't know. It It is kind of why I've, I noticed when the, the other fellows are trying to learn the parts that it's uh, pretty complex or more, more complex than it seems. Yeah, no, this it's a very uh, sophisticated record. Did Steve send really... you Ancient Shapes? Have you heard Ancient Shapes? No, I haven't heard Ancient no. Shapes yet. No, uh. no, no. I want to hear it. I'll ask him for it. Yeah, Maybe yeah. You can, why can't you? Why don't you just send it to me? Make Steve do all the work. <sighs> I'm not. A, I'm not like a reliable mail guy. Oh, you mean in the mail? That's <clears> a yeah. Good point. Yeah. Okay. He's yeah, got I'll... LPs now. He's got. LPs. Oh, he's got them. Yeah. Oh, okay. Usually, I would get a thing saying, "Here's the thing." To uh, it's, to I think here. it's coming. He just. He just sent. Uh... Oh, you know what? There might be one on 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 its way to you. He did a mail oh. out a couple of days ago. Okay, I will ask. I will send him a text after, just because I now I'm antsy and I want to hear that. <laughs> but anyway, it's a remarkable thing. You made this whole thing basically by yourself. We're talking about Mosey now. Yeah, I can't yeah, wait yeah. to hear Agent Shapes. And <laughs> I wish I'd known about that. So, unless you want to say you've said a lot about it already, I think I have yeah, I think I covered it. Info. Yeah, he covered it. Ancient Shapes. Is it going to be a band band where you go and play shows? And yeah, stuff? we're going to play some shows uh, when I get back from Europe. Sweet. That's great. So you're just always going. You, it's amazing. I, I don't know how you do it, Dan. It's really, you are a, an officer and a gentleman. Is <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is uh, "Hunger Is a Dream You Die In" from Mosey by uh, Daniel Romano. Dan, as I say, a pleasure. Thank you for being on the show. Thank Best you for having me. Of course, anytime.
Thanks again to Daniel Romano for the chat about his new album, Mosey, which is a wonderful, wonderful record. You just heard a song from it called Hunger is a Dream You Die In. And at the very, very top of the show, you also would have heard a little snippet from this Ancient Shapes album he was talking about. Both these records are out on May 27th, and uh, he's a gentleman. He's a, he's a great guy. Thanks, uh, thanks again, Dan, for being on the show. If you are just tuning into uh, Creative Control for the first time, thanks for listening. It's a, it's a podcast. We've, I've made a lot of them already, and you can learn more about the show and how to subscribe to it and download it at iTunes, audioboom.com, vishkana.com. There's also a Patreon page where you can make a flexible monthly donation and uh, keep the podcast going. Creative Control of Vishkana is also on Facebook. We're on Twitter, at Vishcreative. I'm on Twitter, at Vishkana. And a version of the show airs every Wednesday from noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph and around the world at CFRU.ca. That is uh, pretty much all I have to say. There is a plan for another episode this week featuring uh, myself in a live before an audience conversation with Nathan Lore of the Minotaurs and CBC Radio 1 host Pia Chattopadhyay. That took place in April the Drake Underground is a co-presentation with uh, Massey Hall and Roy Thompson Hall. So like I say, if, I'll, I, if I can get all my ducks in a row, that'll be up this week as well. And that's all I gotta say. I think that's all I have for now. I hope you uh, are well. I thank you for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Goodbye for now. Levon, whose song do you want to hear? Dan Romano. Who? Uh, Dan Romano. You want Dan Romano? Dan Romano. Okay, we'll put on some Dan Romano right now. Okay, ready? Ready. Here's some Dan Romano for you. Who is it? Dan Romano, right? Dan Romano. Levon played Tagar in an Ericoke bar. Whenever he'd get to going somewhere, he'd start near and end up far. Levon was a tilly chap with a lukewilly on his lap. He'd smile when he's happy and frown when he's mad. His mother was a woman and his father was a dad. His head still neglected to his dulcers. He was born when he was young and every day grew older. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.